to Proper Charlie, the weekly podcast by me, Charlie Murray. It's all about my thoughts on the last seven days. There's music, people I've seen, literature, and so much more. It's time to share Proper Charlie's thoughts with you. So, welcome along and enjoy the next 30 minutes with me, a right proper Charlie. enjoyed last week's compilation episode to celebrate the first month of proper charlie back to normal this week though as i once again talk you through notes on notes a look back through my weekly musical journey the first album i want to chat about today is black star by david bowie i was inspired to mention bowie's album in this episode after visiting a restaurant in beckenham kent which is on the site of a pub called The Three Tons, where David Bowie ran a small folk club in the late 1960s. Apparently, he only booked singers who ran a folk club themselves and booked him in return. That was how his career started. I so wish that I could have been there to see him and his folk club in action. How incredible it would have been to witness such an amazing piece of musical history in the making. It really makes me wonder if I've ever witnessed a David Bowie in the making at one of my local folk clubs. David Bowie was an iconic English rock star who I don't think really can be summarised in just a few sentences. He was an enigma and so he shall always remain. One thing I did learn recently though about David Bowie is that his real name was David Jones but he changed it to Bowie so he wasn't confused with Davy Jones of the American pop rock band The Monkees. I always imagined there was some sort of elaborate story about how Bowie came to be. The real reason seems oddly ordinary and all the more endearing, don't you think? Black Star is the 25th and final studio album by David Bowie. It is something he started working on whilst battling with liver cancer, something he kept as a very dignified secret in true Bowie style until his death. According to his co-producer, Tony Visconti, he intended for this album to be his swan song, and that's exactly what it is. An absolutely incredible parting gift to his fans. I can still recall the first time I heard this album. It was a very confusing day. This album was released just two days before David Bowie's death, and the day that I found out that the Starman had returned home, I listened to this album for the first time. I'd been away, and that was the earliest I could listen to it. I'd waited years for a new David Bowie album, and there it was, on the day the music died. It made hearing the album for the first time all the more emotional, that's for sure. What's interesting is how the musical arrangements on this album harked back to his folk club roots. It was as though the late Mick Ronson was by his side in the studio. It's such a wonderfully weird album, and the more you listen to it, the more the album really reveals itself to you. It's a confusing, 
autobiographical documentary of a terminal illness and the reality of one's own mortality without ever really directly talking about it. And although I'll never know, I imagine it must have represented the confusion and battle within Bowie's own brain. There are so many incredible songs on this album. In fact, just like I said about PJ Harvey's Letting Then Shake the other week, I much prefer listening to this album as one composition rather than individual tracks. Each track flows seamlessly from one to the next and it's just a spectacular piece of music. The most emotive song on this album has to be Lazarus, especially if you watch the music video that accompanies it. Look up here, I'm in heaven. I've got scars that can't be seen. I've got drama, can't be stolen. Everybody knows me now. The song is an epitaph of David Bowie, written by Bowie himself. It addresses his illness and how he kept it to himself until the very end. The video that accompanies the song shows him lying on a deathbed with a bandage over his face with buttons sewn on for eyes. It's very eerily beautiful. My favourite track from this album is Girl Loves Me. It's such a clever song, the way it blends the use of Nadsat, a fictional language from A Clockwork Orange, and Polari, which is an old language spoken mostly amongst actors and musicians, particularly gay ones that wanted, or rather needed, to disguise what they were talking about. It's a really clever use of language that makes this one of the most enchanting sounding songs from this album. It's dark, sexy, and just absolutely delicious to listen to. I have to say that Black Star is honestly my favorite David Bowie album. I know that can be something of a polarizing opinion because he has such an incredible back catalogue of music, but I really admire the fact that even though he was dying of cancer, Bowie still managed to put a truly breathtaking album out. It really does show the true power and strength that music can give to a person. The next album I have listened to a lot this week is Them Crooked Vultures' self-titled debut album. This is an album and a band that I first discovered in 2010 at Download Festival at Donington Park, the year that ACDC, Rage Against the Machine and Aerosmith headlined. Them Crooked Vultures played on the Friday evening and were the last band on before ACDC. I'm a huge ACDC fan and I'd waited years to see them live. I wasn't all that bothered about the bands that were on before them, my friends and I had seen most of them before, and so we sat on the edge of the field, near the stage that ACDC brought with them, waiting for them to come on. Killswitch Engage finished, and the final band before the main event walked out onto the stage. I can still recall my friend turning to me and saying, Oh my god, that guy on stage looks so much like Josh Hom. And that drummer, he looks like Dave Grohl. And wait, that's John Paul Jones. What the heck? Before grabbing my horn and dragging me to as near to the front of the stage as we could possibly get. 
and then all of us almost exploding with excitement when we realised that he was right. On stage, right there in front of us, was one of the best rock supergroups of all time. John Paul Jones was bass player with Led Zeppelin. Dave Grohl is frontman of Foo Fighters and was also drummer in Nirvana. And Josh Homme is probably most well known for being the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age. They formed a supergroup in 2009, made the incredible album I'm about to tell you about, toured with it in 2010, and then went back to their regular bands as though nothing ever happened. They were incredible live, and this is an equally incredible album. It's classified as hard rock, but I find it to be more of a sort of psychedelic folk rock album that actually, at times, especially on songs such as Gunman, Elephants and Mind Eraser, No Chaser, sounds like they would be perfectly at home on a David Bowie album. Each song on this album can also be read as beautifully dark, mildly twisted poetry. And it's just so wonderful to listen to. My favourite song is Spinning in the Daffodils. I recall them playing that song at Download Festival. It was really quite something to see so many rockers and metalheads with their long hair and equally long beards, shrouded in tattoos and leather, stood in the middle of Donington Park, twirling in circles, as though they too were spinning in the daffodils. A special moment to witness indeed. The band was so incredible live that it was almost a disappointment when their set finished. I could have quite easily watched a two-hour set from them, but then Rosie rode the rock and roll train onto ACDC stage and the disappointment faded as I realised that a moment I had waited many years for was finally happening. I was thunderstruck. Them Crooked Vultures were a superb supergroup and I really hope they all collaborate again sometime. If you could form any supergroup with any musicians, dead or alive, who would you pick and why? Get in touch and let me know. Stranger of the week, could it be you? I went down to the pub this week, my local pub where most of the people I meet are not strangers at all. A new face caught my eye, a lady about the same age as me, feeling strange in a strange place. She looked a bit tense as she tried to chat with people she'd never met before. Obviously, having turned up with a friend who knew many of us locals in the bar. That's the thing about us girls. A lot of us find it uncomfortable to walk into a pub on our own. It's a kind of traditional feeling that doesn't really fit with modern society. Women should be able to walk into a pub without feeling awkward. But it's never as easy as that, is it? There is always strange looks and comments made about a woman drinking alone, but never about men. The girl looked caught between two stalls because she had come in with a friend, 
but she obviously hadn't met any of her friends' friends before. She looked interested, but you could tell she wasn't really, as her eyes had glassed over and she was staring into space. She looked part of a crowd, but she wasn't really. I went to the bar to get another round in, and I stood next to her and offered to buy her a drink as well. She smiled and declined my offer, shuffling awkwardly. We chatted for a little while before I returned to my own friends across the bar. She glanced across at me a few times, and I smiled back. It made me feel good because I knew she no longer felt out of place in my local. I watched her engross herself more and more into her friends' conversations. She was no longer an isolated stranger in my local pub. She waved as she left the bar and I raised a glass to her. Job done. Another stranger in my life. Maybe we'll meet again, but I doubt it. That doesn't matter though. I hoped I'd brought a little comfort to someone who welcomed it. At least that's how it seemed, and that made me feel I'd done a good deed. Try it yourself sometime. It might make you feel good too. You never know. There's none stranger than folk, or so they say. But folk don't always have to be strangers. It only takes a smile. Literally Literature, my weekly adventure through the literary world. This week I reread another classic that I absolutely adore, A Pair of Blue Eyes by Thomas Hardy. This is one of the most underrated Thomas Hardy books and it's so unfair because it's such a beautiful book. This is one of Hardy's earlier works, in fact it was the third book he published. And if you ever read his work in chronological order, based on when they were written, you can see that this is where Hardy really started to develop and mature as a writer. My only complaint about this book is that it isn't longer. This book is somewhat autobiographical, although it still remains a complete work of fiction. Before becoming a full-time professional writer, something he achieved after publishing A Pair of Blue Eyes, Hardy was an assistant architect. He met his wife when he turned up at her house as an architect to discuss restoration work on the local parish church. Their story and the story in the book mirror each other to begin with, or at least mirror what's been recorded about Hardy's real life. and. It's fascinating to read the two. The book is based around a love triangle with Alfred and two men. One an architect, the other a writer. They say that art imitates life and it seems that in this case, with certain elements of the book, that is very true. Hardy was married a year after the book was published and I think that is where the similarity stops. But I suppose we'll never really know. This book shows the struggle that Elfried had in deciding what she should do, a problem I imagined 
most girls faced in the 1800s, deciding whether to follow their heart or do what their family and society think would be best. I couldn't imagine having to live that way. The inner turmoil that it must cause must be horrendous. I always follow my heart. I know sometimes it leads to the wrong decisions, but at least they're my wrong decisions and not ones that society has made for me. There is a plot twist at the end of the book when another suitor enters the frame and the ending always leaves me quite shocked, even though I've read this book quite a few times now. I recall the first time I read it being really annoyed at it and thinking, how could you? As I sat silently raging over the choices a fictional character had made. Do you ever do that? I think it's a sign of an incredible writer if they can make you feel so strongly about something like that, especially in a work of fiction. A pair of blue eyes changed my life in a very unique way. It gave me an entirely new way to look at autumn, with a quote that has stuck with me from the very first time that I read it. These eyes were blue, blue as autumn distance, blue as the blue we see between the retreating mouldings of hills and woody slopes on a sunny September morning. A misty and shady blue that had no beginning or surface and was looked into rather than at. Isn't that beautiful? This is my favourite time of year. I love watching the colours change. Everywhere develops a really cosy feeling and everywhere you turn is absolutely sensational to look at. My favourite thing to do in autumn is to look for the blue amongst the fiery reds and oranges. His description of Alfred's eyes made me see autumn in an entirely new way and now, whenever I'm out walking, I can't help but look for the blue and I'm always amazed to see how much there is. Why don't you try it yourself next time you're out and about walking through autumn? Try and see how much of that amazing blue you can find. You'll be pleasantly surprised. It's everywhere and it's a dream to look at. I'm intrigued. As I said at the start of this section, I think this is one of the most underrated Thomas Hardy books of all time. I'd love to know which classic you think is most underrated whether it be by Thomas Hardy or another author altogether. Get in touch and let me know. That's about it for this week's episode of Proper Charlie. I've had a really busy week this week, working on a few big projects, including an incredible auction website that I've helped to build, called starsignauction.com Auction items signed by the stars I'd love to hear all about your week and what you've been up to and what you thought about what I talked about in this week's episode so get in touch on Twitter at propercharlieann or Instagram at propercharliepodcast and let me know 